Welcome to the Antioch Sheffield podcast. We are so glad that you can join us for today's message. For more information about Antioch Sheffield, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk. Good morning, church. Uh, my name is Jack. I'm a member of the worship team, and it's my absolute pleasure to bring you today's scripture reading. It comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 33, verses 7 to 11. It was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. Everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in the entrances of their own tents. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Jack. Good morning, church. Uh, it's good to see you. Thank you for uh, braving the heat. It's that you know annual week or so that we get every year where... Uh, we switch from complaining about it being too cold or too rainy to being to complaining about it being too hot, and uh, sleeping at night becomes a challenge. And uh, yeah, it's just that time. I spend most of the year looking forward to this week, and then during the week itself, you know, the challenge of sleeping and all that becomes uh, interesting. But um, thank you for braving the heat today and and being here. We're we're so glad you've joined us. And um, I was thinking this morning about uh, one of my favorite inventions of the last decade or so. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about FaceTime. I don't know if you, you know Apple's tele- video telephone technology, but it, it was invented about 2010. It's kind of released in the market around 2011. So we've had it about 10 years now, and I think a lot of us take it for granted. I know not all of you are Apple users, so maybe, maybe you can think of Skype or Zoom that do similar things. Uh, but, but for the last 10 years or so, we've not only been able to just call somebody and hear their voice, but we've been able to see them as we, as we interact with them, and what a blessing that has been through the midst of COVID. And, you know, as an American living abroad, my family's still in the U.K. or in the U.S., uh, it, it, uh, FaceTime is such a gift. I mean, to be able to not just hear my parents but actually speak to or see them is amazing. And, you know, when I was in the States uh, recently, I was driving from Arizona to Colorado, and I made a little detour toward, to the Grand Canyon uh, which I had seen as a child but really wanted to see again. And while I was there, to my great delight, I still had a signal on my phone. And, and I just think it's this marvel that we can just pull this thing out of our pockets and we can actually communicate and see people anywhere in the world and have an instantaneous communication. And like I said, I think we take it for granted now, but I think it's amazing. So I could sit there in the Grand Canyon and FaceTime my family over here in Sheffield and show them this wonder of God's creation um, all through this technology that's come about in the last 10 years. But the story that we're looking at this morning is looking at a different kind of FaceTime. It's this story of Moses meeting face-to-face with God. And as amazing as modern FaceTime technology is, what Moses experienced, what we're told about in this story, is even more amazing. So I want to take some time this morning to look at this story, but, but I want to start with a question. And my question is, why is this story 
in the Bible? Why are we told about Moses encountering God face to face as a man speaks with his friend? You know, as we've been doing this series and as we're concluding this series today on pursuing God's presence, we've been looking a lot at the life of Moses um, because he had some extraordinary experiences with the presence of God. I mean, this guy saw God in the burning, the form of the burning bush. Uh, he, he saw God leading the people of Israel with a pillar of cloud by day and the, the pillar of fire by night. We're told how he ascended Mount Sinai into the glory of God and stayed there for 40 days. We're told about how he asked to see God's glory, and God said, okay, but nobody can see my face and live, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hide you in this crack in the rock on Mount Sinai. I'm going to cover you with my hand, and I'm going to cause all my goodness to pass before you. And that, that sort of distant encounter with God's presence was so powerful that Moses' face radiated with the glory of God afterwards, so much so that he had to cover his face with a veil. So Moses had these incredible experiences with God, and so we've been looking at some of them, and I want to look as we conclude this series today at this last story, because I think there's things in here that we can glean from that'll help us in our own pursuit of the presence of God. But we're kind of picking up in the middle of the story. You know, there's, there's a lot, you know, where, where does, what's the context for what we're reading today? I want to just briefly rehash the context that gets us to this story because it'll remind us what we've talked about so far in this series. And as you know, in the beginning, the Bible tells us that, that God created man in his image, the imago Dei. We're created in the image of God. And what does that mean? Well, among other things, it means that we have the capacity as people to interact with God. We're spiritual beings. We can think, we can reason, we can make moral judgments, and that allows us to interact with God in a way that plants and animals and inanimate objects cannot. And so we're created in God's image, and God created us so that we could have relationship and connection and, and a, a fellowship with Him. And we see that in the garden when Adam and Eve were created, it seems that God came and he walked, that they walked and talked with God on a regular basis. And this is God's intention for humanity, that we're intended to walk and talk with God. That's how we're created to function, is with this living connection with God. But of course, sin entered the world and separate, cause a, a severing of that relationship with God because holiness, God's holiness and sin cannot coexist. And so there's this separation, a barrier between God and man. But the whole story of the Bible is the story of how God wants to reclaim that fellowship, that oneness, that union with us to allow us to walk and talk with Him as we were created to. And we know in the end, that is what will happen. Some of the last verses of Revelation, in Revelation 21, verse 3, it says this, John, you know, peering into the, the culmination of human history, he looks out there and, and, and he sees what's going to happen, and it says this, I heard a loud shout from the throne. No, not just somebody saying this like, look, now God's home is among his people. No, this is, this is astonishing to the people, to, 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 the, to the hosts of heaven, and there's this loud shout saying, look. God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. 
That's an extraordinary thing. And that's how human history is going to culminate, that God will literally, heaven will come to earth and God will dwell with his people. And as I said, the story of the Bible is how we get from, from paradise lost to paradise recovered. And of course, the, the, the centrality of this is Jesus, who came in the flesh as, as God among us. Remember, his title, one of his titles is Emmanuel, which means God with us. So God comes and he dwells with us, and then he offers himself as the perfect sacrifice on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins so that the barrier of sin that separates us from God could be removed, and we can go boldly into God's presence. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the offer that's available to us all, and, 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 and every person alive can receive that cleansing and the forgiveness of Jesus, and, and then suddenly be that, have that barrier of sin removed, and we have not only the hope of heaven, but the opportunity to walk and talk with God just as Adam and Eve did in the garden. But the story that we're reading today occurs well before the coming of Jesus. And as I said, it occurs in the Old Testament, in the life of Moses. And, and, and you remember the context for this, you know, the, the, most of the Old Testament tells the story of the people of Israel and how God adopted this people as his very own to model for the nations what it's like to be the people of God and, to, and for the people of God to be able to pursue and know God. And so we, we can glean from God's interactions with Israel what we're to be as a people and how we can pursue God as corporately and as individuals. The story of the Old Testament is that God makes a covenant with Abraham and says, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless you, I'm going to make from you a, a very great nation, and that nation eventually winds up in Egypt where they're enslaved for 400 years as just serving in the, the kind of servant class in Egypt. And then, as you know, God delivers them in a supernatural way. Most of you are familiar with that story. But then after they come out of Egypt, what's always fascinated me is God does not take them on the fastest route from point A to point B. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I go somewhere, when I'm driving somewhere, I want to figure out the fastest route to get there. I plug it into my Google Maps or whatever, and, and I'm trying to beat that time that they give me or estimated time of arrival. Anybody else do that? Yeah, lots of you. Okay, great. That's not just me, but I'm always, you know, I'm in this like little game, and, and if my family needs to stop and go to the bathroom, I'm like, darn it, I, you know, we... We're going to lose out on our time. And, and, and so <laughs> I always want to take the most efficient, direct way to wherever I'm going. And, and I would think that God would want to take his people from, who have been in bondage for 400 years into the promised land as soon as possible. But he doesn't do that. He takes them into the wilderness. And they're just wandering around out there. And that would be so frustrating to me if I was an Israelite at that time. I mean, I'd be happy to not be a slave anymore, but then I'd be like, what are we doing in the wilderness? Well, it seems that one of the reasons that God took his people into the wilderness was so that they would get to know him. Jewish rabbis referred to this season as uh, Israel's honeymoon with God. And while they were there, they, they got to know God. You see, their paradigm for spirituality and religious practice came from the Egyptians. They didn't really know God. When Moses came and said, hey, it's time for you guys to come out. God's going to set you free. They're like, who is this God? What, what, what's his name? Moses had to explain who he was there as an ambassador of to the people of God, the, the, the Israelites. 
They didn't know God. Their paradigm of religion and spirituality came from the Egyptians, and those, those guys were pantheists. They had idols and temples and priests and an elaborate religious system, but they didn't know the one true God. And so God had to let them get to know him. He had to teach them his ways. He made a covenant with the people of Israel. And one of the things that he instructed them to do in this time was to build a tabernacle, this sort of mobile temple that they would take with them wherever they went. We talked about this in the first week, and in this temple was the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant and the presence of God would dwell. And the interesting thing to me about this is that the Holy of Holies was set up right in the middle of the camp. So whenever Israel would move and, you know, the cloud would move on, and they'd be like, oh, God's, God's leading us on. We're going to go this way now. And then it would stop, and they would say, okay, I guess we're setting up camp here. The first thing that they would do is they would set up the tabernacle right in the middle of the camp. And the 12 tribes of Israel were stationed in specific positions around the tabernacle, completely surrounding it. It's this brilliant word picture of God's desire to dwell in the midst of his people, how his presence is central to the people of God. So God commands them to do this, but before they even build the tabernacle, we're told this interesting story that we read today from Exodus 33. It says this, that it was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. Everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Now, this is, this is easy to confuse this. I think I had this confused for a long time, that, that the tabernacle, this tent that God commands them to build, and this tent of meeting are one and the same, but they're not. It seems that this tent of meeting, which instead of being in the middle, like God told them to do with the tabernacle, is set up well outside the camp. And it seems like it was a temporary structure that Moses created for, the people, for him to meet with God, for the people to be able to meet with God. It was this temporary place. And, and I like that he called it the tent of meeting. It wasn't like this big meeting hall where we gather, like an auditorium like we're in now. No, this was the place where the people went to meet with God. They would bring their requests to God. Moses would go out, and he would meet with God there. And let's read about what, what would happen. Whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in the entrances of their own tents. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. I think they could tell something extraordinary was going on every time Moses went out to the tent of meeting. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. It's an amazing story. So Moses is, is he, he would get up and he would come out from his own tent and he'd walk outside the camp and the people would be like, oh, Moses is going to meet with God. And, and out of honor and reverence, they would just stand as this procession went by, Moses goes out to the tent, and then this pillar of cloud comes down and hovers over the tent, and Moses is dialoguing with God. Now, when I read this as, as a child, and, and, and even, you know, for in recent years, I, I've read this, and I've always envisioned, like, Moses being face-to-face -face with God, that he was seeing God's physical uh, appearance in front of him. 
But that's actually not what's happening here. In fact, if you keep on reading in this chapter in verse 20, God clearly says, no man can see my face and live. So he's not seeing God face to face. What it says there is that he's hearing God. God is speaking to him face to face as a man speaks to his friends. So think of it more as a phone call rather than a FaceTime video, you know. Uh, this God is speaking to him, and there, but there's such a, a familiarity there that it's like one man speaking to his close friend. And this was a complete paradigm shift for the Israelites because they were terrified of Yahweh. They were terrified of God. They were, in fact, in one account earlier in Exodus, God's voice comes and, and speaks to them in such a powerful way that the people are just terrified. And they're like, Moses, we can't stand to even hear God's voice. You go and speak to him for us and just tell us what he says. And so that's what Moses does. And Moses has this unique ability to converse with God, to hear his voice, to, to intercede for the people, to talk to God like a man speaks to his friend. Which brings me back to my original question, why is this story in the Bible? Why are we told about Moses' unique relationship with God? Because I think we, we read this and we think, wow, Moses are we just supposed to be really impressed with him? Is this just meant to tantalize us with this guy who had this completely unique relationship with God that, that we can never have? Are we just supposed to be like, wow, Moses, that was impressive. That, is, that must have been amazing. You must have been some special dude to be able to interact with God that way. Or, or do we read it like he's just some sort of semi-mythical cre uh, creation of history you know, like a King Arthur or Robin Hood, and, 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 you know, the story's entertaining and it's interesting, but it doesn't have any practical application to our lives. Or is it that there's something in this story that God wants us to see and apply to our own lives? Is it that Moses was just this extraordinary person with an extraordinary calling? And for sure, he did have, he was an extraordinary person, and he did have an extraordinary calling, and he did have uh, incredible encounters with God. But is that just unique to Moses, or is it showing us what's possible for us? You see, I don't believe the Bible is a book of exceptions. Well, we just read about all the great people that, that have had a great relationship with God, and we can't ever experience what they experienced. Now, I think the Bible is a book of examples. It's showing us what's possible. And you see, I believe God wants to speak to each one of us as a man speaks with his friend. Remember, when we become followers of Jesus, it says that, we, that God gives us a new heart and, and gives us a new spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us. And no longer do we have to go to a tabernacle to, to meet with God. No longer do we have to go to a tent of meeting to bring our request to the Lord. Now our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We can meet with God anytime we want to. We can speak with him anytime we want to. And this kind of conversational intimacy that Moses had with God is available to every follower of Jesus today. That's good news, is it not? So this story, I think it's meant to make us hunger and thirst for what's possible. I think it could be said of every one of us that this person spoke with God as a man speaks with his friend. 
That, that, that there was a face-to-face conversational intimacy with God. And, and, and you know, we, I know how we think. We think, well, you know, that was Moses. I can't do that. I've got all these issues that you don't know about. My life, I'm so broken. I've made so many mistakes. I don't hear God's voice. I don't experience his presence. I'm telling you, no. God dwells. If you are a follower of Jesus today, the Spirit of God dwells inside you. You can hear his voice. Jesus said, my sheep will hear my voice. You can experience God's presence. And it may take some practice. It may take some learning. It may, it's, it's like a, a child learning how to walk. You know, we, we, they, they, they barely can stand for a while with shaky legs, and then they fall over, and then they take a few steps, and then they fall over, and they, they've got bruises on them everywhere as they're learning how to walk, but eventually they get it. All of us need to learn how to walk and talk with Jesus. And that's what this whole series has been about. So today, we're going to take the rest of our time this morning to go face-to-face with God together. You know, I I don't want church to just be about coming to hear about God and hearing principles. I think church should be a place where we learn to pursue God's presence together, where we learn to hear His voice, where we learn to take those first shaky steps towards pursuing God's presence in, in a safe environment like this. Of course, you can do this anywhere. But if we can't practice this together in church, then where can we do it, right? See, I believe in my prayer and my hope today is that God wants to meet with every single one of us. Whether you're here in the building or whether you're watching online, God wants to meet with you this morning. And maybe you'll hear him say something to you. Maybe you'll sense his presence. I I don't know. but, But if we're willing to open up our hearts and say yes, he will come because he wants to meet with his people. God isn't aloof and far off just sort of saying, no, no, you got to be more holy. You got to be more sanctified. No, no, no. We've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. We, we are pure and holy in his sight. It says we can boldly come into his presence. So I'd like for us to spend some time doing that together. So uh, worship team, why don't you come on up? Last week, I spoke about different pathways, or a couple weeks ago, I spoke about different pathways into God's presence. There's all kinds of ways that we can do that. Worship is one of them. So we're going to take some time to kind of set the stage in a way and, and prepare our hearts to, uh, to meet with God. And, and we're just going to worship a little bit. And then Lord and I are just going to provide a little bit of direction for us to help you as you meet face-to-face with God today. Amen? All right, let's stand and worship together. Thank you for listening today. To listen to more messages like this one, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk forward slash podcast. We are looking forward to seeing you soon.